And we welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptel, C70 at the bat at C70. On Twitter with me, as always, Tara Nichols from Birds on the Back and at Tara Woman on Twitter. Um, Tara, you know, we did the show last week and we weren't probably real happy. I don't necessarily remember exactly what we said, but I'm sure it wasn't good. But we thought, hey, you know, they got Detroit and they got Pittsburgh and next week will be better. Next week is not better. No, not not only not better, but I, I would wager to say categorically worse. <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean, I could almost say, okay, you lose two games to Pittsburgh. And in some sort of situations, you say, okay, just, just the way it goes. There's a short series, some things happen. Except for the fact that neither one of those games was competitive, and that's a problem. But, okay. But I don't know of a universe where losing three out of four to Pittsburgh is actually feasible. And yet they wound up doing that. And again, with games that weren't competitive, um, you know, the first game and the last game of the series, I mean, today they, if it hadn't been for rain, might've been a rookie hit, you know, major league debut, having a perfect game against them. Um, This, this is a, a situation they just can't they can't stay like this any longer or there's not going to be a stadium left. Yeah. There's certainly not going to be any people in it at this rate. If they, if they don't Mm -hmm. make it at least an entertaining product to watch. And right now it's not an interesting product, much less entertaining. And it's very much on the the side of that sliding scale. That's frustrating and pretty irrelevant at this point in terms Mm -hmm. of what people are going to do and how they're going to spend their time. So it's, Look, we've kind of facetiously talked for years about how the Cardinals seem to be the only team in baseball that consistently gets shut down by guys that have no business shutting down a major league lineup, whether it's a guy making his debut or someone who's been around the game for 45 years and can barely (laughs) still throw a (laughs) fastball. I mean, that guy's going to shut him down. So there. We, we sort of joke about it like I just did because, you know, what else do you say at this point? But there's got to be something there. And I think, you know, whether he said it intentionally or not and whether he's regretting the comment <laughs> that he made or not, Tommy Edmond made the point that I think a lot of us have been circling around. And that is that this team cannot adjust mid-game. And that's sort of the follow-up that Mike Schultz said, well, what I think he really meant was, which didn't make it any better by no. saying, we just can't, we're just, we're just not really adjusting. Um, you know, it's the execution of a game plan, not the lack of game planning. Well, okay. So basically Tommy Edmond said, we're not prepping for individual pitchers well mm-hmm. and not adjusting mid-game. <laughs> Both of which seem like pretty significant points of emphasis, especially when this is not a new problem. So how you get this far. Look, I said last week, trust the process is fine unless it's a bad process. And at this point, either the process is bad or the oversight of that process is allowing guys to think they're prepared or allowing guys to think they don't need to prepare in a specific way for a specific game. And none of those things are good. It doesn't reflect well on the players. It doesn't respect well reflect well on the veterans. It doesn't reflect well on the coaching staff. And it certainly doesn't reflect well on Mike Schilt. And he finally basically owned up to that and said, look, it, this is, I'll, I'll take this one. But he does that 
just to deflect from the players right, as right. you know he learned from the managers before him. So there are serious problems with the process and with the execution of the process that make it hard to feel good about any sort of team meeting, turning the corner. Oh, they won a game. Great. They won a game and then nearly got no hit. And it was for a while, a perfect game. So <laughs> apologies for not celebrating the, uh, the one win in a sequence of Detroit and Pittsburgh. Yeah. And it's, you know, we've talked years for years that the Cardinals have no idea about momentum, at least it's bad, <laughs> but you know, last week, you know, they had the rain out on Saturday and that, and then you come out and you have Adam Wainwright throw the, the really good game on the first game of the doubleheader on Sunday. And you think, well, okay, maybe, you know, you put those things together and maybe they can do something. And of course the second half of that doubleheader, they don't actually score a run. And then they lose to Detroit and then they lose the first two to Pittsburgh. And then Adam Wainwright comes out yesterday and they, you know, pitches a good game and they play like they're playing well. And, you know, and you think maybe they're starting to turn the corner. And then today it gets very hard to put anything into, I mean, we're to the point now that if a starting pitcher besides Adam Wainwright gets a win, I think they throw a parade <laughs> um, because it's been what? 30, what I think it's 32 days now since somebody besides Adam Wainwright in the starting rotation oh. got a win. Now that's not all on the starters because that my, uh, Miami series from a couple of weeks ago, yeah. they, you know, starters pitch well enough to get wins. The offense didn't help them out, but for the most part, the, the pitching has not been good. I mean, the, the team ERA for the month is over five. It's, you know, they've only won seven games this month. This is the kind of stuff we talk about with Pittsburgh, with Detroit, with Arizona. These are the things that you say, oh, they've only, they have, they're not even going to win 10 games this month. Well, the Cardinals are probably not going to win 10 games this yeah. month. Um, and well, how they got to be mentioned in the same breath as these cellar-dwelling teams that have struggled for years I don't know. I mean, I just, I mean, I know there's flaws everywhere and we'll talk about them with, and I don't have any, and I don't feel, I feel a lot of sympathy for Mo trying to figure out how to fix them. But the thing it boils down to is they should have been fixed by now, or at least an attempt to be made to fixing them. Well, I guess the thing that continues to be frustrating to me is that while some of these issues are presenting in a new way for certain players, these are not new problems. <laughs> and even on the pitching side of things, the concerns we had going into the season were not unrealistic concerns. Wow. So, yes, to say it should have been fixed by now is one thing when you just look kind of at the the – uh, you know, bookend start of the season to now and the downward trajectory from a couple months ago <laughs> when we were like, man, this team looks good. Nolan Arenado yeah. is doing his thing. Jack Flaherty is rounding into form and Adam Wainwright still looks young and great and awesome. And Yadier Molina never ages. That was a fun second in time. <laughs> um, but since then, it's been all downhill. And yes, they've had a lot of injuries. And I understand that not only challenges how you use the players that you have, but it kind of interrupts the flow of someone who is in a groove and doing well and, and all those things. I get it. But none of these issues that we're seeing right now 
save the the walks from the pitching staff. Yeah. That's a new thing, and That's that weird. is weird and very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of this, none of this is like, oh, we've never seen this before. So it should have been fixed within the confines of the season. Yes, when you start seeing that it's going wrong. One thing that I will say, I think there's plenty of reasons to criticize Mike Schilt, as there is with any manager in baseball. We hyper-focus on the one, so mm-hmm. we see his flaws more than we probably see you know, his, his saving grace characteristics. But one thing that I do find very frustrating is you know, his almost too laid-back approach to letting guys just figure it out. And that was the same thing we kind of saw with Mike Matheny at times, although his was almost more of a forced version of that. Like, nah, I'm going to put him right back out there because I want him to figure it out, which didn't yeah, <laughs> also didn't, didn't work. work. Um, yeah. But there's this idea of, well, well, I just trust my guys. Well, okay, but what we found out this week is that you trust your guys and your guys say the preparation isn't good. So we're in the middle of that. Is the preparation not good? Is it not good because you're trusting guys that aren't trustworthy? Or is it not good because the guys are doing what they're told to do, but what they're being told to do isn't, you know, a good process? And that's the disconnect, right? And the, the I feel like I'm talking in circles because we've had the same complaint for the last, you know, three or four years where the offense goes ice cold and everybody's like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know why it's like this. I don't know. We just got to keep pressing. We got to keep playing. Mm-hmm. We got to. And then all of a sudden to hear, well, I don't think we're doing a very good job of game planning for individual pitchers and what they're going to do. Like, what are you people being paid for <laughs> as a staff? Yeah. If not to prepare them to play against the actual opponent, they're going to face that day. Like, general good instincts and philosophy and you know whatever fine but but you're not playing some general concept of baseball you're playing an individual team with an individual pitcher who has lots of data points available for you to use to prepare for that game clearly it's frustrating to me like it is to everyone else. And we we got that one quote, right? We don't know if everyone else feels that same way, if that's what the, the root of the problem is, or if Tommy Edmond just feels like maybe he wasn't preparing as well as he could have been. Or, you know, obviously there's more to that than what we've heard. And I, I will admit, I haven't seen a whole lot in the last couple of days as follow-ups to that. So whatever mm-hmm. has been said since then, uh, I'm not going to comment on because I haven't seen it to, enough to know. But... It should have been fixed. How to fix it seems to be like this enigma that no one knows about. But at the same time, it sounds like they actually do know what's going on. Uh, but maybe the the method of fixing it has for too long been, well, I just trust our guys to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, there's got to be more to it than that. You're right. And with Jeff Albert, and I know that's obviously a guy that there's a lot of focus on, and that's fair, I think, as well. But I do wonder, you know, the idea of bringing him in was he was going to revamp the whole system. Yeah. Um, which is fine. And I don't have the numbers to look at. I don't know if the minor leagues are improving or not. We know that, 
you know, we've seen guys like Nola Gorman have a good year. We've seen some good things out of Evan Herrera, but those were top prospects anyway. So I don't know how much, you know, I don't know how much his tinkering is or his philosophy being um, floated down to, you know, a ball and stuff like that is, is helping. I don't know. Um, but it sounds to me, and I think I've seen some others indicate this, that if the Cardinals want to keep Jeff Albert around to do that, to kind of work on the overall organizational philosophy, that's fine. But it sounds like they need somebody that can take that philosophy and apply it to today's game, like you're saying. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't do you any good to go out looking to hit fastballs on a guy that's going to throw 70% sliders, right? I mean, and that's yeah. that feels like that's what they're doing. They're going out there saying, we're going to jump on the first fastball we see, but you're not going to see one until it's like, oh, two, you know, I mean, what, what good does that do you? Right. So um, those comments from Tommy Edmund were, were frustrating um, because of that, because, you know, for all the, you know, they've got to learn the curriculum and, you know, 2020 was a write-off year and, and all that, you know, if they're not preparing for that day starter, at least in some regard. I'm, again, I understand if you don't want to change your philosophy every single day, but you've got to at least be able to figure out how to apply that philosophy, you know, take it from theory to practice and say, okay, this guy does X, Y, Z. We need to do X, Y, Z in the framework of our you know overall idea. And that doesn't sound like that's what's happening. So, um, yeah. If if your philosophy exists on a totally different plane than the reality of the pitchers you're facing, then I think there's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if it's like, you know, this sort of very uh, esoteric kind of mental version of baseball that exists only in the realm of <laughs> <laughs> philosophy and uh, unanswerable questions. I don't know. But to your point, if you're not, if there isn't a way to apply that philosophy to real world situations, then it's a garbage philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know how else to, to see that, because, you know, if you're if you're sort of goal is, hey, in a perfect world, if we just focus on this tiny little box where we know we can hit for power and we only swing at pitches in that box and we look for look for your pitch and you know whatever and you you create this kind of idealized version of what every at bat looks like and then expect that to happen in reality I don't understand how anyone thinks that's possibly going to work now again I don't know if that's what's actually happening. I have heard that some of the young guys at the minor league levels really like the sort of overall approach of hitting that they're getting from this organization-wide program that Jeff Albert supposedly has built and is being implemented. There's a lot of very, you know, kind of tangible take this, do this, here's how you make it to the next level by doing these things. Mm -hmm. And that's great. If you're not trying to make it to the next level, <laughs> what does that program do for you? Yeah. My question at this point is, does that philosophy, that sort of hitting philosophy approach that helps young guys latch on to something that is a bit more tangible, something that they can look at on a piece of paper and go, oh, okay, I need to do this, this, and this to get here. Mm -hmm. 
if that's not your goal, does it still work at the major league level? And I think at this point, it's pretty easy to say no, it doesn't, unless there is a disconnect between what what the goal, what the plan, what the philosophy really is, and how it's being applied. And I don't know if that's a translation problem between data and, you know, actual at-bats, or if it's guys who don't like the philosophy and so they're just not doing it (laughs) or if it's you know a matter of it being too heady for guys who are like I said last week Adam Wainwright said he started pitching better when he just stopped overthinking it and went hey I know how hitters work I know what I can do I know how baseball goes so let me just do my game plan, do my prep work, and then adjust to what the hitters are doing instead of being so focused on what my game plan is that I can't adjust Mm -hmm. in the moment. And that honestly might be the most concerning part to me about what was said in the media this week between Mike Schilt and Tommy Edmond is this idea that, well, it's just, we're not, we're not great at mid game adjustments. What else, how else are you supposed to play the game? Everyone has a plan until they get, you know, hit in the teeth, right? That's what I was talking about that. If you're not going in, if part of your game plan is not, hey, here's what we think is going to happen, but you know how to play this game. So if that's not what they do, you know how to adjust. Then again, I think it's a bad process. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's no doubt. But then, you know, again, we're doing a lot of focus on the offense because one, that's what we're used to. (laughs) The, The team is not hit well for two, three, four years now, maybe longer. But I would like to, I would hazard to guess that if the Cardinals had the pitching they've had the last couple of years, uh, would the Cardinals still be struggling somewhat, but they'd be over 500. They'd be within three or four games of first place. But, you know, like you sent me that note about, you know, not making mid game adjustments half the time by mid game, the game's over. (laughs) I mean, it's too late. It is. I mean, it, it really, these are not games that they're losing in the seventh, eighth, or ninth. It's been a while. I mean, that game against Pittsburgh on Friday, and then of course the game, the second game of the doubleheader against Atlanta. But they have not had too many times in the last even two or three weeks where they've had a chance to tie the game at the in the ninth inning um, when they've lost. They're down four runs, five runs, and they're down that way you know after the starters are doing that it's not the bullpen nowadays honestly maybe because they're pitching a whole lot of low average innings i don't feel like we've had any really issues with the bullpen for a while mainly because they haven't had to i mean they're not they're not blowing games because the games aren't in reach at the time the cardinals have taken john gant out of the rotation although it looked today like he was going to get into the game in the first inning um, because Johan Oviedo made things very, very interesting. Um, They have decided that Wade LeBlanc is going to pitch tomorrow night's game against Arizona, which uh, if you have nothing else you can say about LeBlanc, he throws strikes, so there's something. But I don't think anybody's expecting him to be a lifesaver in the rotation. What can they do? do here i mean honestly when when gant was part of the rotation they could replace 60 percent of that rotation and kk isn't necessarily any great shakes you know i mean 
this is, oh, like we said, Adam Wainwright's only the only one that's got a win, and there's a reason for that. But you can't build a rotation on an almost 40-year-old and have him be the best thing you've got. Well, you can, but this is the risk you take. Yeah, you can't be <laughs> successful at it. Let's put it that way. You also can't build a rotation around guys that, well, they're more like long relievers, but it might work out in the mm. rotation and expect that to be your saving grace either. Now, look, I understand that Michaelis was part of their game plan, but anyone who has watched baseball for more than like five minutes... <laughs> knows that a pitcher who was out for an entire year shouldn't be the one that you bank on to be everything that he once was, especially a pitcher that was out for an entire year and threw like twice in spring training before he had to back off his spring training program anyway. So counting on Michaelis this year was never a good idea. Um, KK in year two, we've seen before guys that came, I mean, Michaelis is a great example of that too, right? Came from overseas mm -hmm. where he right. was phenomenal, had a great first year. The front office was laughing in the faces of the rest of baseball. And then after that, he's been fine, but not what he was that first year. Cause guess what? Everyone else in baseball learns how to adjust. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and that's not what the Cardinals have done, <laughs> but, and I, I don't know, I guess it's sort of irrelevant at this point but anyone who said that this rotation was going to be fine at the beginning of the year to me was ignoring some very glaring red flags not that you know i saw anything anybody else didn't see but it's just to to feel confident in this in the rotation that was supposed to be was to ignore some pretty pretty glaring um you know possible <laughs> drama and i said it last week i'll continue to say it Look, I've been in Carlos Martinez's corner for a long time mm -hmm. thinking I see the potential under the chaos so strongly that maybe I want it to be that a little bit too much. But it's impossible to look at what Carlos Martinez has done this year and feel anything other than, you know, maybe it's just not going to happen for him. Maybe he's never going to be that guy The the talent, the skill set is there, but he can't repeat it. He can't do it consistently. And it's either really, really good or a complete disaster. And mm. you can't, you can't depend on that in your rotation. I felt like he was a, a make or break kind of player for this team, because if he is what he is when he's good, he can hold down that rotation while Jack Flaherty's out, while Adam Wainwright's the other guy, while you wait and see what happens with Michaelis and KK and whatever. He can be that because of the talent that he has. But if he's not that guy, then he's no better than, you know, the guys that they're going to pull up from AAA before too long because they just don't have enough arms. And, you know, that may be selling some of the AAA guys short if they can, you know, not give up seven or eight or 11 innings or 11 runs in the first mm -hmm. couple of innings. And that's just the unfortunate, realistic side of the Carlos Martinez story right now. He can't seem to put the pieces together on a consistent enough basis to be the player that, you know, he, he has been in the past and that he's had the potential to be all along. And sometimes that's just the, the sad truth of the story. And unfortunately there's not a lot left to, to pick and choose from as far mm. as the Cardinals rotation is concerned. They don't have an Austin Gomber and a, Daniel Ponce de Leon and uh, at the time John Gant guys at AAA who were <laughs> way better than AAA hitters but didn't have a spot 
on the major league roster, they don't have that anymore. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not including a number of other guys that have been traded away for other pieces along the way. So your question was, what do they do? And I'm just sort of avoiding the the (laughs) actual answer to the question because I have no idea. I don't think Wade LeBlanc is it. No. (laughs) I don't think that's a bad move to make, but I don't think that you can pass that off as your solution to the to the pitching woes, especially when, you know, you keep throwing Oviedo out there and you keep watching him struggle in at least one inning because you don't have anyone else to put out there. (laughs) I mean, that can't be great for his confidence. It's not great for the team. And you see these guys continue to walk in runs with the bases loaded and it's mind boggling how that continues to happen with the guys that continue to do it with Mike Maddox, who is supposed to be like this pitcher whisperer and, you know, maybe he needs to consistently go to the two hand shoulder approach because <laughs> the one hand shoulder approach is not helping at this point. And I don't, you can add somebody, but do you sell out some of your few remaining pieces in the farm system for a rental? I, I don't think so. Um, you know, if you were going to add somebody, they should have added somebody in the off season, like we talked yeah. about a number of times. And now you're kind of left picking and choosing from spare parts or guys that didn't last on a roster anyway. And that's not really, you know, I, I realize that uh, Jeff Weaver won a World Series game for the mm-hmm. Cardinals. <laughs> I realize that Octavio Dotel became a folk hero. Uh, in 2011 but we can't always look back at those years and go well see it happened then it's gonna happen now because there's a reason those stories were so memorable because they're not things that happen all the time so I don't know what the solution is I don't know how you fix an entire rotation that can't throw strikes with nobody on base and certainly can't throw strikes with the bases loaded and you don't have Jack Flaherty and really not a whole lot of uh, positive timetable in oblique returns for guys. Mike Liss, no dice. Uh, KK is what he is, but like you said, he's not going to be the piece that holds down the fort. And every time Carlos Martinez goes through another cycle in the rotation, it feels like... Or just, it's the definition of insanity at this point, doing the same thing and expecting a different result. I don't know how you fix that when it's all of them. Yeah. Save Adam Wainwright, who I I don't (laughs) Keep him in that protective little bubble forever. (laughs) Um, Yeah, LeBlanc feels like the kind of guy that Dave Duncan would have turned around and he would have come in and given you a year or two of really good stuff like Jeff Weaver, like Joel Panero, like all those guys. That just, that feels like the way to But you know, Dave Duncan's not here anymore. Dave Duncan hasn't been in baseballs for quite some time now. So um, not that he couldn't still do that kind of thing, but you know, he's not going to. Um, And, you know, Rusty Gruppel, I wrote over at the conclave this week and pointed out that, you know, over a month ago, when KK went down and Flaherty had gone down and we're completely talking about how much they need pitching. And Mo says, well, we can't go out and get a free agent because they're not ready. They'd have to take it, build up. Well, if you'd done that, 
they'd be about ready now, (laughs) you know? And it's, I don't know if they thought the situation would just get better, you know, that they thought, okay, these guys are going to come off the ADL and everything's going to be fine. and We'll be able to hold it together for, I I don't know, but whatever the case may be, they've sorely overestimated the potential of what they had. Um, And, you know, Jeff Jones put out a tweet just a while ago that today's, today's attendance was 25,000 people. We're back at full capacity, you know, and there have been better crowds than that this weekend. Now, maybe some people saw the, thought the rain was coming and decided they didn't want to be out there or what, I don't know. But if the attendance starts taking a hit and there is absolutely no reason to go sit through a Cardinal game right now, so it should, um, is that enough to force their hand a little bit? And again, I don't know what I'm even asking for. You know, six weeks ago when we were talking about going to get Max Scherzer, one, the Cardinals were better than the Nationals, which I don't know that's the case anymore. And two, that felt like, okay, that puts them over the top. You get Max Scherzer now, and you're still probably, what, at best a 500 team, right? I mean, I don't think Mm. that fixes the whole issue. And that's, as great as Max Scherzer is, that's saying a lot. Well, and here's the thing that is frustrating. They seem to, they being the Cardinals, Mm. have a, a track record lately of waiting until the problem is so bad that literally nothing you do can fix it to then make a move. And then at that point, they can reason with themselves and the fans and say, well, you know, one move isn't really going to fix it anyway. So when we don't make a move, don't be mad at us because there's no move in the world that we could make that would actually fix things. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, now, (laughs) if you wait until you've dug yourself such a hole that there's not not a solution other than just ride it out and hope things change, then no, you can't make a move that does you any good. But if you have a little bit of, you know, forethought to look at a situation and go, okay, here's how we want this to play out. If it doesn't, mm-hmm. what are we missing that could make us better now or keep us from falling apart later? And it's almost like, And again, you know, obviously John Moselec listening to this as part of his, uh, you know, Monday morning routine. uh, I don't know what your process really is. (laughs) I don't know what those conversations really are. But it seems like it would be advantageous to not just try to be good enough for right now, but look three months into the season and go, okay, we know something's going to go wrong. We know somebody's going to be hurt. We know somebody's not going to live up to expectations. So when whatever that thing is that goes wrong happens, what's our, what's our boost then? And if we can get it now so that it can boost us three months in, and then we're not in such a hole before we try to do anything, I don't know if that changes something, but that's a, you know, talking philosophy and approach, that's an organizational philosophy that is very confusing to me. From the outside looking in, it appears that there's not much of a desire or not much of, uh, you know, an, an incentive to try to try to stop problems before they happen, but rather to wait and see if they happen, wait and see if they fix themselves and then just wait it again because well now there's nothing we can do and 
it seems like a very ineffective way to you know try to accomplish whatever the organizational goals are if there's not a, a series of like <laughs> gates to 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 hold hold things in when something goes wrong because we like everyone knows something always goes wrong whether it's baseball or just life <laughs> <laughs> you can have the picture perfect plan something's going to go wrong and if you aren't prepared for it ahead of time then yeah it's going to be really hard to circle back and try to fix it after the fact yeah yeah i you know i just i don't know um i realize you're right that there's not a there's not an easy answer to this but you know lots of people in this country make a really good living selling insurance <laughs> um and there's reason because people buy it because they like to have that little bit of security. Right. The Cardinals went into this season and, and it feels like they've gone into the last couple seasons with no, if everything goes right, everything goes great. It's going to be fine. But if anything doesn't, there is no backup. Like you were saying, you know, this is how much did we talk about it? I know you did quite a bit. Keeping Colson Wong, you know, I mean, boy, I that would look nice right about now. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know Colton's had some injury issues this year, but you know, one, he's playing on the team you're trying to catch now. Um, and two, yeah, I mean, the whole part of this, not the whole point, but part of the problem with this offense has been, and, and has been, you know, to the little bit of a, gentle nudge that the lineup got this week. Um, Tommy Edmond is not necessarily the best option to lead off when he's hitting. It's great. When it's not, he doesn't do anything else to do that. If you could have had Colton Wong at, you know, second base, you could have had Tommy Edmond in the outfield for a lot longer this year. You could have had, you know, a real leadoff guy. You could have had a nice little one, two punch between those two guys, maybe, and let Dylan Carlson hit fifth. Um, you know, or six now that Tyler O'Neill's coming along and this lineup gets a whole lot deeper. Um, Cardinals didn't do that. They thought Nolan Arenado was enough and uh, don't get me wrong. Obviously Nolan has been pretty much what we expected. Um, and I would not want to undo that trade for anything, but you know, we said it at the time. That's great. That helps but it doesn't necessarily fix anything, especially when you then go turn around and let off one of the better pieces of your offense for the last couple of years. Now you could also argue, which would be a pretty good indictment of the, of the club that Colton Long's good season in Milwaukee wouldn't have happened in St. Louis. Um, even though we've seen some good seasons out of him, uh, you know, if it because that's the way it is, right? We've seen so many people come into St. Louis or struggle in St. Louis and go somewhere else and do well that that gets us back to the whole organizational philosophy bit that we started the show with. That I don't know that we need to play this on a continual loop, so um, <laughs> just go back and listen to the first yeah, 12 you, minutes you, over again, just, just start it back over from here. But so I, you know, I don't know, I don't know what they do, I don't know. I don't know if they, right now, this team just needs to focus on finishing over 500. 
you know, to make Alex feel better uh, and, and not ruin that. Um, you know, currently they're closer to the pirates than they are to first place. Yeah. Um, if they can focus on getting to 500 and staying there, then they can take that focus on, okay, now let's see if we can get better. Um, you know, there's a lot of money coming off the books this off season and maybe they can remake this team, but cause it's really, really hard right now. Really, really hard to see how this is a playoff team. Even if they, you know, even if we say, okay, this is the worst that they can do in June. And I know, I think the broadcast recently mentioned that, you know, 2006 had a really tough June too. And it probably did, but I bet that 2016 was more talented than this team. They had some injuries and issues. And let's be honest, the 2006 team that won might have had a bad June, but what about the 2003 team or the 2007 team or that they probably had a tough June too. It's not like, (laughs) let's match up the good years and see where they struggled and that's never happened before. They always recover when they have a bad June. It's That's an easy thing to say. And we've all done it, right? I'm not like, I, I get it. We've all done it, and we've all said, well, I mean, it happened in 2011, so who knows? It could crazier things have happened. But we like to look at the moments where they won and something went wrong. But what about all the years where they didn't win and that thing still went wrong? <laughs> so it's it's possible uh, always. It's June. The Nationals are a perfect example of being absolutely terrible through the All-Star break a couple of years ago and winning the World Series. So, yes, all of that is still on the table. There's no it's not like if they're if they're in fourth place in the division at the All-Star break, their season is over. <laughs> they don't get to play anymore. Um and I totally interrupted whatever you were about to say, but <laughs> the uh, the the angst is not, um, I guess, too dramatic. There's some that's dramatic. I come on, we all know that's true. Uh, but the the angst is not um, totally without merit, just because there was another year some time ago where they were bad in June and then won a world series. It doesn't, I bet the angst in June of 2006 was also pretty high. Oh yeah. There's no doubt. And I will (laughs) say, I believe it only caught part of it. I think the broadcast did say this was like the fourth worst June um, that the clubs had. And what the, you know, one of those three was the 2016. The other two were like 1929 and 1930 or something like that, which weren't necessarily, great years for the club. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, we always try to find hope somewhere. Um, And, you know, you're right. This is a team that has, has struggled this last week in part because the Brewers have won a lot of games too. So every game is, you know, kind of drop them down in the standings, but they have, I think they have 12 of the 18 games with the Brewers in August and September. Um, when Jack Flaherty, knock on all sorts of wood, should be healthy and whatever trade deadline things can be made, have been made, and maybe that's a better team. So maybe you can, you know, maybe you can make up some ground there. You don't really want to, you know, get 11 and a half, 10 and a half, 11 games out in the end of August because they've used that once in a lifetime lifeline, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's not, it's not over right now 
but they have to play differently. Yeah. They have to play. I mean, they cannot continue to do that. And that starts, I mean, that starts this week. I mean, yeah. there you is. You think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it has. I mean, if you go, you know, what? They went one in three against the Braves. Then they lost the two against the Tigers. So that's what one in five. And then they've lost three out of four. So that's two and eight. They went two and eight against all that. Teams. If you go, I think even if you go 500 in this eight game set between the, or seven game set between the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. So even if you go four and three, that's not great, but that's a step in the right direction. If you go three and four, if you go two and five, it's, it's really hard to see how you do much going because then you get the giants and the Cubs, you hit the all-star break and you're just kind of reeling. Yeah. Um, if you if they don't turn it around this way, I don't, I don't want to say again. I'm not saying that that's they have to do it this week or they're you know they're completely toast, but they're really really crispy. If not, <laughs> yeah, it's getting very warm. <laughs> yeah, very warm. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> anyway, um, so again, loving these optimistic shows that we're doing. It's yeah, a lot of a great. lot of fun. Um, I would like to be a little bit more upbeat when we come again tara and i will be gone next week with the fourth of july uh falling on sunday so we'll be back again the 11th that will be the last day of the first half of the season and we'll have a chance to see if maybe the last two weeks have been a little bit better for the cardinals <laughs> I can't i say they can't be much worse but well, they can't be much worse they can be worse they can't be much worse so until then that's tara I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.